And welcome to the Football Pink Podcast. I'm your host for today, Simon Parr, and with me as usual is Scott Parr. As ever, we're here to discuss all things LFC. Obviously we're in pre-season, not lots going on, but we're starting to get some feedback and things that are happening over in the UK as regards pre-season. First news of the week is uh, Divock Origi signed a new deal. What do you think, Scott? Well, it was all up in the air, wasn't it, whether he was or wasn't going to sign a new deal. Um, Were Liverpool just going to let him go at the end of the year on a free? I think they would have liked to get him on a new contract, which they have, but I don't think they would have you know, got on his back if he hadn't signed that new deal. Um, but nah, I think it's a good thing, really. You know, I, st- I still think he'll go at the end of the season, end of next season, or the season coming, personally, but just means we'll get some dough for him. Yeah, it just depends on how he performs throughout the rest of this year. Uh, we need a fourth striker. He remains that fourth striker. We see what happens with the young kids coming through. We will burn and stuff coming through from midfield. Uh, and we see, yeah... I'm sure Klopp's got a good plan in place. I think it guarantees that we're not going to be bringing in another big name. Oh, yeah, now. big name. Yeah, definitely doesn't guarantee we're going to bring a big name in. Uh, I've seen the thing on uh, ESPN, Steve Nickel not happy at all that we've re-signed. In his opinion, over the five years he's been at Liverpool, Origi's not improved. I disagree with that. I think he's... he's Spells out on loan have improved the way he plays. He's turned into this huge impact player, and I think he deserves all applaudits. To be honest, so I'm made up. His For me, it's like a mentality thing. Um, if we have knowing now what he's done off the bench, whether it be you know or starting against Barcelona off the bench, um, against Tottenham, even against Newcastle as well. If you're a defender and you see Divock come on, you know there's a big chance he's going to come on and make a difference. And he's completely different to the rest of the front three. He's big and he's strong, as well as having a decent touch. Uh, but I think he gives centre half something different to think about, and I think it's uh, yeah, it's good to have. I'm pleased with it. So, uh, Divock done, and the squad's back in training. They've, you know, a lot of the younger lads have been in for a week. But this week we had uh, more of the senior squad joining up, having had their summer holidays. So we've got Big Verge back, Hendo, Genie, Trent and a couple of others all joining back in at Melwood. Everyone looked really happy to see each other. Big big pats on the back and slaps all round. Hugs really, wasn't it? Yeah. Uh, yeah. I'll tell you what, I would do anything for one of them club hugs. I yeah. would do anything for yeah. it, honestly. Imagine going back for your first day back at school and your favourite teacher gives you a hug. Be unreal. Yeah, be pretty damn good, to be fair. So yeah, so the boys are in and they've... <clears throat> got their first pre-season game under the belt as well, you know, none of the big names really involved. A game of two halves, literally, one team in the first half, one team in the second half uh, at Tranmere. But to be fair, I think they give a good account of themselves from what I've seen. Thoughts? It's just a run out, isn't it? I think it's more, just not even really about the performance, because obviously a lot of that, I mean... Basically, you say some of them lads are playing for a chance to go to America on a preseason tour. Yeah, absolutely. So you got you basically look at it from that point of view with you know your few senior players thrown in. You know Milner, Lalana starting the first game with Mignolet. Second game, the likes of Joe Gomez and Matip coming. Um, sorry, the second half. So might as well be a second game. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah, it's totally different. Um, but now, nah, like I said, few um, got a few th- p- lads that. Uh, Really impressed me. 
Um, I, I really like the fact that, you know, Kleine pops up with a goal in the first six minutes. Totally forget about, yeah. forget about nice, you know, yeah. Nathaniel who, you know. He's, but he, he struck that clean, come in, edge of the box, hit it, beat the keeper at the near post. Wouldn't have been everyone's tip for a first bet. No, first goal not scorer. at all. So I think, yeah, and it's good, good for him. Yeah, and again, he's hanging around. There's no sign of him moving on. So there's our, our right-back cover. And he seemed to be happy in what he was doing, you know. Uh, so yeah happy with that I don't think the keeper would have been happy with the way he was beat at that near side post but maybe he wasn't expecting the client to strike it to be honest uh, I like Brewster's first goal I re- yeah, Milder drilled the ball right across the face of the goal missed everybody and I can't, I can't even remember who it was who, who, who then dinked it back in from the other side and Brewster pops up with a, with a headed goal I think it was um, Harry Wilson but um I think Brewster gives us something that we actually haven't got, just that um, natural number nine that, you know, everyone, the stereotypical number nine, you know, stays in the six-yard box and will score in the six-yard box. Yeah. Um, I think that's something that we can utilise during the season that, you know, because Firmino isn't that type of striker. Yeah. Considering Firmino's not even really a striker. Um, Origi's not that type of striker either. Um he reminds me like a Michael Owen. He'll just stay in the box and you give him one chance and he'll score. Yeah, and he proved it at the weekend. Uh, but it's good to see. Good to see him get off the mark. Uh, and then he pops up with a second one. And again, it was a, a nice delivery on a plate from Milner because Milner hits it from the edge of the box. Keeper parries away. And Brewster, as you say, classic number nine. You know, it could have been a, a John Aldridge goal just... Just arriving on the edge of the six-yard box to pat it home off the keeper. For me, it's like you know the number nine role. Like I said, we just haven't got one. So to have him come in and be able to do that, he could have been under a lot of pressure. After you know, it was not signing a number nine. People are saying we don't need one because we have him. You know, he just come back from an ACL and he hasn't even broken into the first team properly yet. So it could have been under a lot of pressure to score. So to get two yeah. so early on in the first half. Sets him up for a nice trip to America. Exactly, it? yeah. I think he's going to enjoy that. Uh, so then, you know, half-time, complete change of squad. So, you know, I would say in that first half, Mingale actually made some really good saves. You know, the Tramahe, at times, put some decent shots on goal, and Mingale was solid. Second he's always ha- been a good shot-stopper, Mingale. He always has been. The problem is, has been his footwork. And, he's always he's always he been good a uh, shot stopper, um, but it's the footwear that we've had the problems with. And, you know, just, the man he is, you know, we like we've been in some serious keeper troubles. Really, he could have um, easily probably maybe had another week off, yeah, for for, um, for the off season. But you know, knowing the keeper troubles we have, he could have easily went. Actually, you know what? I'm not going to play this game. But it just shows the man he is. He's happy to step in. And if he had to play a full game, he would have. Yeah. But then this young kid comes in, second half, Yarrow, don't even know anything about him. I uh, have to do a bit more research, but he seemed to do okay. And when you think he's, in, he's got two young centre-halves in front of him, and I was quite surprised that uh, they, they brought on uh, a big lad as a striker, uh, and he was really strong, and he really gave our centre-halves a real test. A lad called Miller. And he was driving through on goal. 
and really given you know this is the Tramley strike and he was really giving our centre halves a hard time. Well, and they stood up no, to the that challenge. Was their first team that was that was Tramley's first team, um, and they were always going to be a lot bigger, stronger. Yeah, but again, he never played the first half. This kid, this bloke came on and he was like a battering ram, and it was good to see. To be honest, they they stood up to it, and then you know. Jones gets his first goal uh, from Woodburn Cross. I really like Curtis Jones. Um, I really rate him as a player. Watching him um, with the under-18s and the 21s, I think he's an unreal player. I really want him to start breaking through. Someone I really um, look forward to seeing start breaking into the first-team side. What I like there is that you've got the two of them playing uh, either side on the midfield and Woodburn from the right-hand side on the edge of the box lifts a lovely ball in and Jones timing to run in on that back post to finish it. Perfect. They obviously play together really, mm. really well. And that, that was showing that these two boys have, have linked and worked together for a long time and know what to expect of each other. So really, really promising. Uh, and then the goal of the game, which That's was unreal, absolutely it. unreal. I don't even know who put the over-the-top over ball. It was Matip. Was it? Matip. What do you mean? It's fantastic knowing our centre-backs can find a pass like that. You know, you look back to um, the Van Dijk one to Mane um, back in by the Bayern Munich game. Just that, you know, people expect us to catch them on the counter or pass them around them or get in behind. But when we, wa- when we want and when we can, we can go really one and just score out correct. of nothing. And this is what I say, Ari gives us something that we don't have by that big, strong centre-half, uh, sorry, uh, striker coming through. And, you know, you can say it's a, a hoof ball, a long ball, route one. But actually, it was, a, it was a really, really good pass from movement from Origi to run on to. But not many people can kill a ball from height like that coming over the shoulder. I think we know Klopp and we've seen, you know, you see, if you've seen the game live and you've seen him on the touchline, he's very animated. If we were to hoof a ball long um, for a hopeful and hope for the best, then, you know, you're going to see Klopp screaming at them, knowing about it. So I don't think lads are going, unless it's completely under pressure and in danger, the ball doesn't go, it stays on the deck. But when it's on, it's on. I'm glad it was Matip that delivered it, to be honest. So it's good, good to see. I, 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 mean, I just couldn't remember who it was. He, Van Dijk's known for his um, passing and stuff like that, for being a centre-half, but it's nice to know that even Matip, and again, he's in prime position um, to take on the, the joint centre-back role with yeah. Um, Van Dijk. So, yeah, but it's good for Origi carrying on from uh, Champions League glory to get, get his first goal. Brilliant. And again, I think he's set up for a really, really good tour of America now. Uh, and then the last goal, just a bit of a mad scramble in the in the box. Um, Bobby Duncan just got the ball out from under his feet and put it in the back of the net. Well, he's been scoring goals for absolute fun for the under-18s last season. He, he um, captained the under-18s to the FA Youth Cup win. Um, but him and his um, strike partner, um, Grattel, um, that got on as well. He was actually injured uh, in, in the lead-up to the goal. And um, by, right, all accounts, it's, down, yeah. by all accounts, um, nothing's really come out of what it is and how long, but Klopp's in an interview said it's serious, which well, is worrying. Good. Yeah, because again, um, he'd have been looking forward to a good tour. He'd be on the verge, like I said, these two lads are under 18, so I don't know if they would have been on the tour, personally. Um, I mean, obviously, Grattel's now and out. It's a shame because, like I said, them two were scoring absolute fun in the under-18s last year. 
But it's nice to see Duncan get on the score sheet. You've seen how much it meant. Yeah. Steven Gerrard's cousin. That's Duncan, right. Yeah, you know that. And if you look at the goal scorers, you've got three local lads there that are on the score sheet. It's brilliant. Four of the six goals are local lads. So it just goes to show that the investment over the past year, few years in the academy uh, is, is working. And to be fair, that goes as far back as Rafa when the first changes in the academy started that Klopp's picked up and continued. I think he's brought them closer together. Obviously, the move that's happening to take Melwood down to the academy and have more than the one location is a massive investment from the owners again. And we I, talk- think that's great. I think that's fantastic. Like I said, it's, it's good for the young, you know, even from the under nine lads up to the under 18s walking in, but they're walking alongside the first team. Yeah. And it's actually something to look up to and go, wow. And it stops when you do go from the likes of uh, Kirby, which is the academy, up to Melwood. It stops that big, oh my God, now I'm here, stuff. I'm in a totally different environment. But if you get the push up to the first team, it's not a different environment. You've seen these lads day in, day out. Okay, obviously you're going to be nervous because you're playing with them anyway, but it's not a new environment. You know, you've seen the lads day in, day out, so it's not as a big of a jump. Yeah, I think they may uh, be, I don't know whether they're going to build a new facility, a new actual change room and facility, so a, a new Melwood on the far side of the academy. It's I can't see that they'll have the same changing rooms and that kind of thing, which just then they'll see them on, on the ground. Uh, on so the just seeing them in the ground, seeing them in the cafeteria when you know they're spending the in-between trainings or stuff like that, and just walking around the place and just being able to go, high as you're walking past you know what I mean and stops that being starstruck type of thing yeah absolutely well it's great to see all that happening how about uh, Divock getting swarmed after the game as well brilliant yeah although I think um, I've seen one um, mank page on Facebook it was saying Liverpool fans stormed the pitch after beating Tranmere 6-0 they didn't post a photo so a couple of people posted photos uh, afterwards it was about six and seven year old storm the pitch absolute hooligans and, that's and it all went to one man and it was Divock but to be honest pre-season games these early pre-season games at these grounds that's what happens well, I remember what they said we went to Wrexham um, years and years ago and there was people half time walking from one end to the other along across the pitch yeah it, it, it's not like a Premier League game it's not supposed to be it's to let the kids young kids that don't get to games their opportunity to see the heroes play. It's brilliant. And there was um, a young Harvey Elliott in the stands. Yes. Um, he was in the stands, so it looks like it's a done he deal. Is, is going to be a done deal and that will probably get hopefully announced in the week. And it shows, shows the, you know, we've talked about it before, but the dynasty that Klopp's trying to build and the plays he's looking for the this ambition. season. It's huge. The ambition for the club is fantastic. You know, we talk about there's loads of talk whether I mean Klopp's still got three years on his contract and he will see out them three years don't get me wrong but there's been a lot of talk how he hasn't looked to sign a new deal you know I think an offer was placed on the table and it's not say he's rejected it but he goes I just don't want to look at it right now I've got three years I don't know what I'm be my headspace is going to be in three years so he hasn't rejected it he just put it to the back of his mind for now he could burn out he but it shows that, well, he, you know, he stayed time. at Mainz and Dortmund for seven years. At the end of the three-year contract, that's seven years. So, but even, that shows that even if he leaves tomorrow, next year, or the end of the three years, he's not just going to leave us. 
in like, the lich. Yeah. You look at uh, Sir Alex. He left United in an awful position. And it looked like he jumped off a sinking ship. Because if you look at plays he was bringing in to help him win the league, he brought Van Persie in to help him win the league. He was there for the, the year that he was bought the year they won the league for the last time. But there was no investment on younger kids coming through. And it's shown when they've gone three or four years now, even being. I sometimes think, you know, on the United position, had they persevered with Moyes rather than get the shotgun out early, whether things would have been a lot different. I mean, uh, and, you know, bear in mind that Sir Alex picked Moyes. He was his choice to replace him. And I just think, had they, had they persevered rather than go from manager to manager to manager, the amount they've paid out in compensation to managers would have been paid out to players and getting new players in. I think they wanted the success straight away. And as soon as they didn't get that with Moyes... They thought, let's get a new guy in, we'll get the success next year. And looking back, obviously, it was never going to happen. Um, looking back, it probably was the right, you're right, they probably should have. But then at the time, you know, we're chanting, saying David Moyes is a footballing genius. You know, we were going for the title. We were looking. Um, and, you know, it, he was under, the club was under a lot of pressure at the time and they had, they had to get him, let him go. Yeah, I don't know. I, I just think they should have given him a bit more time and... It is what it is now. History, history can't be rewritten. So, moving forwards, uh, Liverpool are at Bradford today. Yeah, tomorrow morning. Yeah, yeah so... 4 a.m. here, so nice and early. Hopefully another good win, similar kind of setup, and we'll be able to talk about that next week. Haven't seen any team news. but I would very similar. Yeah, I think... Probably I guess it'll be teams. exactly the same, really. Uh, whether we'll see anything from the boys that have just come back into play. I season. guarantee we won't. Yeah, guarantee I we it. won't. Uh, so we'll see how that goes, and then off to uh, off to America they go. You know, game, the games against Dortmund, Sevilla, and Sporting Lisbon, Notre Dame, Fenway Park, and Yankee Stadium. All, all ahead, and wait, waiting for them in the US. Uh, it's it's great to see them going over there, uh, and. I think the excitement over in the US is starting to build now. As ever, the information for for the supporters is starting to come out. Yeah, the the com- information's come out this week. You know, uh, Vladimir Smitsil is going to be in Boston on the 19th of July doing a a bit of an event with the supporters club there, which is good to hear. Basically, just talking about 2005. Yeah, but <laughs> so it's great. All talk it's about. fantastic. Yeah, but he'll have his opinions about Madrid and everything else. It'll all be good. And then um, 21st and 24th of July, they've got Sammy Hippier uh, in New York. At a, I think it's at the New York at the 11th Street Bar. Uh, so Sammy and Patrick Berger doing the same kind of thing. Uh, and it'll be good. It's great to have the old players in town and talk I'd to the Sammy stories. I'd love Sammy Sorry to interrupt you, but we talked a few weeks ago, we had Matt on and we talked about players coming out. Um, we put on our Facebook page and some people have put on who they'd like to see. Someone put Hippier. Yeah. And honestly, I think Hippier would be fantastic because he would be able to bring, you know, he was part of the team that brought that Liverpool side into the 21st century under Gerard Houllier. And just the story through that yeah. um, would be, I reckon, it'll be really interesting. And as well as obviously the 2005 stuff. And then he was there as... Um, Hicks and Gillette started to degress type of thing the club be interesting to get his, his, his 
views and all that type of stuff. Yeah, would be. I agree. Uh, put that one on the list, Matt. Uh, so yeah, uh, other things that have been announced: tour, the Anfield Rat Boys. They're doing uh, two nights, one in Chicago, one in New York, and then they've got an event that they're not running themselves, but they're with someone else. Hmm, wonder who that might be. Not announced as yet. Hmm, Boss haven't announced anything yet. Hmm, I wonder. My guess is that Boss Knight are doing a gig. Tour will be involved. Uh, I hope the Boss event is a really big success in America this year. Boss, when they went over on the last tour, they had Jamie up. And they were quite low-key events in the US. I don't think the Americans really knew what to expect. But I think now they've seen more. They've seen what happened in Kiev. They've seen what happened in Madrid. I think it'll be quite a big event and it'll go off pretty well. For those that don't know, I think we've talked, we spoke about it before. Um, the Anfield Rap is a um, podcast service mainly. They do YouTube. They're on the radio back home in Liverpool. I do, you know, blogs and write-ups as well. Um, all on Liverpool, you know, the, the, the biggest type of Liverpool source you can get. Um, it's, the podcast I do is really good. recommend searching them up and subscribing to them. Um, but yeah, so that's they're doing the live sessions in uh, in America, um, and then the boss night are the guys that you know we see all the videos of the fans going ape shit with the stage and the guy the guitar, and that's the boss night. That's who they are, and that's what they're about. Yeah, so hopefully the Americans take it to the heart. Uh, if not, come to Adelaide next year and we'll show you. That's it. Uh, We'll talk a bit more about other things, you know, in and around post night type things towards the end. But I think it'll be a really, really uh, good event over in the US, and I'm looking forward to seeing the videos. I really am. Uh, following on from from that, talking about tours, we've obviously got United currently in Perth. They played last night in their game. I just put a bet on um, Perth to win. Did you? <laughs> wow. Oh, didn't come out obviously. No, but it, it, look. There'll be some uh, criticism that it was a bit of a flat game. Games always are. Pre-season games and tour games are generally flat. I feel like there was much build-up to this at all. I mean, I don't never think they were going to fill that stadium because it was in the Optus Stadium in Perth, which I don't know, I think it's around 80,000. It's pretty I think, big. I think it's only 60. It's only 60,000. I, I, I mean, it's still a big stadium. Um, Obviously, Perth is a long way to go. When like likes of Liverpool and when United were here a few years ago, back in 2013, you know it was in Sydney, so you have people from Melbourne, people from Adelaide, people from Queensland that can go. You know, it's a two, three-hour flight tops. Perth is a long way. It's like going from what? It's like going from um, England to fucking Ukraine. Istanbul. Exactly. It is a long way away. It's and about a five-hour flight. And and people don't appreciate that from the UK. So, just how and far it's it is. not cheap either. You know, we talk about flights into in around Europe aren't that bad. Going from country to country, trying to get from a domestic flight here in Australia is fucking expensive, especially going to Perth. Yeah. And then with them, you know, bumping prices up because they know there are going to be an influx of people that do come. So I don't. I think it was ever going to be a sellout, personally. No. Especially I'm, the way United are. You know, let's let's say if United peak. were. English champions or European champions, they may have got more of a turn up. 
But that said, you know, we've got friends that have flown over from here to Perth. They're, you know, a big family group of friends have all gone over for the game. And I'm sure they thoroughly enjoyed it. I'm sure they did, and, and quite right, they should. I think when your team's in town, you do the best to go and support them. I can't stand United, but I do think they should be supported. Uh, and to be and fair, if I had the spare cash, I probably would have worked myself. Yeah. Because it's not very often you get to... See a well, Premier League side, yeah, it's a long time. So if I had the spare cash, you'd have a holiday in Brisbane for a few days and go watch the game? Yeah, it's a game, game of football. You would have easily got tickets. Yeah, plenty of them. I, I just, actually, um, saw Rashford goal. It was a good goal, actually. Yeah, I haven't seen, seen the, goal. the goals. I did um, have the game on going to bed last night. The Rashford goal was, was just, a, just a turn in a hit. And, that, and that's where you see... You know, Sometimes you're watching on the TV, the Premier League, and you go, yeah, it's a good goal, but you don't actually take into account how good of a goal it is without it hitting the top corner or dribbling past 10 players. But when you're playing against an A-League side, which obviously the level is a lot different, you know, his back's to goal and he just turns and hits it. And from his age, you know, he's way younger than me. And just to know where the goal is at that age on the edge of the box, it, it was just a great finish. And you just see the, the quality difference, really. Yeah. Well, I just think the some of the media around it and the reaction from fans generally, I think we've got to be aware that politically, if that tour isn't a massive success, it could have a negative effect effect on whether Liverpool would come to Perth as we want because the state government have to put cash in and if they have put cash in to this trip and people say yeah yeah they should have brought Liverpool over they should have done this should have done that put that behind us they brought United and if they don't see it as a success why will they spend the money twice on promises that can't be guaranteed of what the numbers will be now as Liverpool fans look if they play in Perth, I'll be there. End of story. But I can't guarantee everybody else will. We think we'd sell the stadium out, but you don't know for certain. And it's going to cost a shitload of money to bring them. And as such, we need... I don't want United to be a fantastic, super-glowing, artist world success, but we need it to be a commercial success to allow it to thrive and allow us to come, hopefully next year. I think that's where some fan relation stuff comes in. We've seen the um, aeroplane go over while they were uh, training the Liverpool six-time European. Find that funny. That was fantastic. Some people have their own opinions on it. Some of the reaction to that was a bit crazy. To I be um, I thought it was funny. Bit yeah. of a laugh. Then I also saw a video of um, them putting a Liverpool sign over a oh. United bit, or they've been paid taking photos of United um, fan things. Where there have been a few signings of legend and the line's not that big or whatever. And it was probably because it was really early or whatever. Or outside the hotel, there's not many people. I thought those are the type of things that will stop other yeah. people coming out. Because Liverpool look at that and go, OK, they're doing that to United. United fans will do that to us. Yeah. And it makes the club look bad. It's putting a negative effect on them. So why would they come out? So I just think, I mean, this isn't just to say it was, you know, the Perth supporters group or the Perth fans or whatever, the Liverpool fans. Because I think the same would have been done if it was in Melbourne, Sydney, Brisbane, whatever. I just think that some people just went a bit too far with the yeah. whole banter I love, situation. I actually loved the plane. The I, plane was funny, there's 100%. A, there's a difference between banter and belittling. And there was one video that was cringy as hell. It got 
um, like you said, they got a flag or a yeah, banner or something. Yeah, they put it over. I did they, see they it. took it over and they put it over the United badge and they started singing "Who the fuck are Who the fuck yeah. are Man United?" Concentrate about, on Liverpool. There's not, about not other twenty teams. of them doing it. I was yeah. like, you have something better to do. Seriously, yeah, I much preferred them to be in a pub near the stadium in Perth singing Liverpool songs and just have the Perth Stadium in the background showing that Liverpool have strong support singing about Liverpool, not singing about Man United. Yeah, to me it was just a bit of bad taste and it was just quite pathetic to be honest with you. But the playing was hilarious, love that. Yeah, yeah, big, big up to the lads that done the playing. Yeah, awesome. Uh, okay, in other news, I don't really want to do too much about United. Oh, uh, we've got uh, Leeds in the air en route as we speak. I saw a thing today. Uh, Did you steal that plane or? Well, apparently it nearly crashed into a Russian plane on the uh, on the, the uh, video that was... Uh, okay, now I didn't hear that. Now there's a, a satellite picture where you know they have the, the mapping of the planes flying and it, it just has two planes crossing over each other mid-air. But it's probably about 10,000 feet between the two. But it's just quite funny the way he said, near miss from the Leeds fans, nearly hitting the Russian plane. So, yeah, uh, they're en route. It's going to be interesting to see how nice to see that, game, out, that, that game, and I think that game's probably going to be better well-supported. I think the Leeds fans will get behind it. Well, they're playing play um, Western Sydney, aren't they? Yeah. Um, and we know Western Sydney are, uh, what shall we say, fanatical bunch yeah, of fans. Yeah, they're good um, fans. So they are going to, put on an atmosphere anyway no matter who they're playing and um and it's the first time Leeds have been out in a long long time so I do think the Leeds supporter base will be getting behind their team because although they never made promotion shame, they definitely they're on the up planning that they definitely they've been on the up for years like, I know they've but been, they they've choked at the final hurdle over choked, and over again they choked but in real terms they had a good season they yeah as, as a supporter base we never won the Champions League when we went to Kiev, but we had a good season. We enjoyed the ride. And I think the lead supporters will have enjoyed last season, apart from the choke at the end. And that means they'll be up for it to do it all again. See, I disagree. And I think the tour I, I think this year will do well. We look at the Kiev season as still a success. Even though we got beat by Madrid, it was still a success. They'll look at last season and it won't be a success at all for them. They'll be... They should have got automatic promotion. They should they have. Were welling, they they, should I mean, have. they were top at Christmas, so were we. They were well clear of both Norwich and Sheffield United. They both leapfrogged them. And I knew if they, were, if they did make the playoffs, they were always going to choke. And they didn't even get to choke in the final because they choked beforehand. Yeah. So I think that for them, it's like for us this year. People say for us um, this year, you know, no, obviously letting this back to Liverpool... If we don't win the league, it's just another progression. It's another step. For me, if we don't win the league this year, it's a failure. That's a big shout. We, you talk about three-year cycles on teams. This is our third year. Yeah. We got the Kiev side. We got the side that won, um, should have won the league last year, and won the Champions League. This is the year. This is the year. You know, after this, you need to really start looking to replace the likes of Sadio, Firmino, Salah. This is the year where everyone's in their prime, everyone's ready to go. This is the year we, ha- we have to do it. It's a failure if we don't win the league this year. See, I think we potentially, I hope I'm wrong, won't, but I think potentially we won't win it this year. It'll be the year after. Because I think that City will be in further decline after next year. 
and the money they spend, they can't. Spend I don't like want to win it in a city decline though. But, but I do but think but the, in the next five years, I can see us winning the league three times because they do decline. City and so United, Chelsea, Arsenal, Spurs are still trying to catch us, and City hopefully then start to decline because their cycle is finished. Correct. However, I don't want to win the title. Trust me, I'd love to take the title three out of the last five years, but I don't want to win the title in a City decline. I want to beat City when they're at the top of their game. Oh, yeah, so do I, but it might not happen. And if it doesn't, I'll take the title on any grounds. Yeah, I'd have took the title the year Leicester won because everyone else cocked up and they were in disaster. Talk about Leicester. Have you seen their squad? No, not recently. Do you know their squad is so much better this year now, even last year, but this year their squad is unreal. Their squad this year would smash the team that won the league for them back in 2015. That's just the way it goes, isn't it? Isn't that? You look at the so, summer players they had back then. They had so like Wes Morgan, um, Ujol were up top. Where the fuck is he playing now? <laughs> you know, okay, you got you still got Vardy, but like you know, you, know, you got Madison, Perez signed from uh, Leicester, and still got Albright and Vardy. They've got a bloody good squad. So. What's your tip for them for next year then? Do you think they'll make top four if they're going to be that good? They won't make top four. <laughs> I think they can sneak inside top six. The top four will be the top four this year. That, that happened last year. Um, I still whatever order. I, I think Chelsea are still big. I don't Chelsea's think Chelsea still got a squad it. enough. Bet, and they're not, they're not in all over. The, okay, they have the transfer ban, but they're not all over the shot. Um, like the likes of Arsenal are and... Uh, I don't see United Chelsea are. doing top I think four. United, I think United will drop out the top six. Yeah. And yeah. Leicester will take over. Okay. It's an interesting shout. You heard it here first. Put your money on, people. Scott called it. So if you lose your money, you know where to find <laughs> yeah. it. Uh, okay. Other news. Crouchy retires. To focus on that podcast, isn't it? Yeah. Crouch Fest 2.0. Wow. Oh, yeah, uh, if you haven't listened to the Peter Crouch podcast, do yourself a favour. Awesome. Go have a listen. Start from the season because you know he does his massive live event. He's um, done two, get, two seasons. But to get the big live event, you have to go back and at least watch the start of this season to get the gags in the live event. Yeah. Um, I recommend it. It's the Bedcock podcast around. Yeah, he's just from a humour perspective. And again, going back to Matt, bringing people over, get Crouchy here. That would be the funniest event ever. Yeah, hanging him on the podcast. Yeah, it would be unbelievable. He, the stories he tells, and he basically doesn't give a shit. He tells it as it is. So yeah, listen to his stories about the dressing rooms and what Champions goes on League, in training. You know, sitting on the touchline, you know, counting, pretending to count money because you know you're in for a massive fortune because you're going into the next round, even though you haven't got on the pitch. Things <laughs> like that. Yeah, definitely worth a listen. But um, yeah, I think it's obviously. To- relate more to family and stuff like that I mean you forget he's been playing um, the past few years you know you know, he had a good run at Stoke and then it started to decline and then yeah. he's been at Burnley you forget he's even at Burnley it's yeah I think he had some offers on the table listening to the podcast well, he, he was did. talking about what he was, his plans were but I think the success of the podcast yeah. this year has meant that he's got to really consider uh, his future kind of thing and just to say just it so everyone knows coming out with actual more. It's the number one voted podcast on the BBC. That's what I mean. So I think it wouldn't surprise me if you know 
he doesn't start hosting, but he starts... Cause there's two lads that are from actual work for BBC, can interview interview him, but speak to him about his stuff. It wouldn't surprise me if he starts hosting to get other Premier League footballers on type of thing. Yeah. And start running his own podcast and type I think he'll start popping up on Punditry on, on TV now. I think he's developed the skill set on Definitely. the podcast to take that and, and start doing some punditry stuff and I, I suspect you'll start seeing him more on Match of the Day and that kind of thing next year so looking forwards uh, we get just, through can I just say one thing yeah. uh, another news um, do you see Accrington Stanley no and they're, um, so they faced Olympic Marseille um, in a pre-season friendly Marseille you know they've got the likes of Dimitri Payet um, 13 French players you know, you look at the history of Marseille, they have three or four um, League of One titles. They have multiple, you know, I think they won one Champions League, they've made a UEFA Cup final. They actually got beat by them. Accrington Stanley actually went and beat Marseille. Um, Accrington Stanley? Well, it's funny you say that. For those that don't know the advert, I recommend it. But they actually went... On like a big street sign type of thing, the electrical sign to let you know maybe there's road work further down or whatever. It said, Accrington Stanley, who are they? I'll tell you who they are. They beat Marseille. Oh, Oh, it's absolutely amazing. I'll have to find that. Absolutely amazing. If you don't know the advert, look it up. It's uh, just, Just type into Google, Accrington Stanley and Milk advert. We'll even try and get me more on the podcast. She does <laughs> yeah. a very good impression. Yeah, you'll have to get a drunk drink. first. Uh, Sorry, carry on. I just It hit my head and I just didn't want to forget it. Okay, I just wanted to give a shout out for a book that I've been reading. Uh, we have a, a dark period in our history, or we do have several, but uh, our time under our previous owners, Hicks and Gillette, we had 44 months of hell with what we thought were going to be the American owners that had lots of money and were going to help us get out of the the, the history that we had of not success and break in, in with United and Chelsea at the time. Uh, there's a guy called Brian Reed that's written a book. It's in the Sunday Times top sellers list called An Epic Swindle. And it tells the behind-the-scenes story of what went on with Hicks and Gillette there's some great interviews with people who were directly involved uh, and to be honest there's stuff in there that I'm absolutely shocked about uh, and poor old Rafa was caught in the middle of it all and somehow we still got to European finals so give, he, lo- he, loves, he loves the uh, bad owners doesn't he Rafa yeah but he literally had to make a choice back one owner or the other uh, and he had the previous chairman on the other side. So they were literally had a completely divided boardroom. The two owners would not speak to each other or communicate with each other in any way, shape or form. So if And if you sent one of them an email, the other one gave you earache that you never sent it to them instead. And why are you, why are you telling him things you should be telling me? It, it was like schoolboy, childish Hesh stuff, isn't it? And... And it destroyed a club, you know. We, we were, almost went into administration. We you know, were you, you look at the likes of Bolton, Portsmouth, um, you know, even Luton, at a lower tier level. You know, they they get point deduction, they can't afford wages, and then because they've already started on like a negative six, twelve points, they end up getting relegated, and then they lose money, and it's just a downward spiral. Just look at Adelaide City locally. Exactly, you know, 
you know, Portsmouth still haven't recovered from that. Leeds yeah. went down to the third tier of, you know, they went through a, from a Champions League semi-final to League Two in the space of three years. Yeah. All and they still haven't recovered from that. And we were so close we to were being so Leeds. Close to doing that. You know, we could be doing this now, telling you how we just got promotion from the Championship or from promotion from League One. Anyway, I will do some snippets from this book in some of the podcasts, some little because some of the insight in there is really, really good. But for now, we'll uh, I think we'll come call it a day. That's about it. Uh, you know where to find us. We're we're on social media, uh, the Pink Podcast uh, on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram. You name so it. So look us up. Give us a shout. Tell us what you like. Tell us what you don't like. A reminder of, tell us who you would want to see here. Somebody popped up with a good shout about trying to bring managers over. Yeah, that was instead of. My question on that is, what former managers are still available to bring out that aren't already doing management kind of thing? They're still managing. So, boy out. Yeah. I mean, Martin... Before we finish, if you're going to bring a coach out, it would never happen because of his conditions. But Gerard Julio, yeah, I would love to hear what he would have to say. It wouldn't happen because you know he's had his conditions with his heart and stuff you, like that. You but don't know. I would don't love know. to have Gerard Julio. Like again, it's alongside the. Um, That's a good show. It's alongside the Sam Hippius. Um, you know what did he thought when he brought saw Liverpool in the you know late nineties when he was joint with Roy Evans when he took over himself. And just like you said, bring in, you know, the whole start of the sports science stuff. You know, the boys aren't allowed beers after games. They're not allowed all the fatty foods. Like you said, just bring the boys into the 21st century. And, you know, that went on to... No, beer, we the no beers and fish and chips on the coach on the way home. That's after it. The game. And, you know, and not long Stephen shortly after Nicole we went on never to win survived. <laughs> And I would love to know his thoughts on the um, Michael Owen situation, actually. Because, yeah. you know, Michael Owen said, although... He came through and he was doing really well. He should have been rested more. He should have been, um, what's the word, you know, been N- a bit... Nurtured a little bit Nurtured, more. there you go. Nurtured a bit more. Even though he was scoring goals for fun, he shouldn't have been starting that many games. You know, he's played, he played 100, over 100 games. And he's never going to say no. He's going to argue at that age he wants to start. He wants to play. Exactly. So I'd love to, like, get from his point, again, Gerard's point of view of what he would have to say about that and his comments and... Again, not that his time at Aston Villa as well. His condition. Yeah. He's, he's the top of my list. A very good shout. Mount, if you're listening, that's one. <laughs> Get it moving. All right. We'll call it a day. This has been the uh, Football Pink Podcast. Thank you for listening. Goodbye. <laughs>